DJ and PK joined now by Tyson Alger. He covers the Oregon Ducks for the Athletic. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tyson, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. So I'm I'm curious about uh, how good Oregon was looking and how spectacular they looked while blowing out USC and how they haven't looked that good since. And certainly the last two weeks, especially the lost Arizona State and then really just kind of muddled through the end of that Oregon State game. Uh, what's gone on? What's changed? What's happened? Yeah, it's it's been pretty um, pretty interesting to see because after after that USC game, you know, I I don't think. Oregon ever quite looked like a playoff team, but after that USC game, I, I felt like they warranted to at least be in in the discussion um, because I mean that was a pretty complete offensive and defensive game from them, and and since then they've just kind of sputtered. I mean the, the Arizona State game was pretty shocking because it was one of the few few bad games the defense has played all year, but then you know the last two weeks. It's the offense has been very inconsistent. You know, they're they're not getting much out of the passing game right now. I think it's a combination of the fact that Justin Herbert's been off for two weeks, but also, you know, they've they're down, you know, two or three receivers for the season and I think it's kinda of finally catching up with them. And uh yeah, they they uh they they just don't look great right now, and and I, I know that uh, their their ceiling can still be pretty high, but with the way they're playing football right now, I'm I'm kind of concerned about how how they're going to stack up on Friday against Utah. So the Devils hit a few deep balls, obviously, and I think that was the difference offensively, particularly that last one after they had gotten back in the game and it looked like they had all the momentum, and then they gave up. I think it was an eighty. 80- one-yard touchdown pass on a third and 15 or 16 of all things. Is that something that you think that the Utes can exploit, or is it more of just uh, Oregon just being out of position for a game and it's not really that big of an issue? You know, I think, thinking about it, I think Oregon's only gotten beat on like two or three passes like that all season. So I, I think that was a bit more of a fluke. And, uh, I mean, talk about bad timing. It was third and 15. They they finished that playoff. They, they'd probably end up uh, – uh, winning that game, but uh, Oregon secondary has been excellent this year, and, and they've been pretty ball hawkish. I, I, I don't know if it's still still the case after this past week, but they've been leading the nation in uh, 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 interceptions for the vast majority of the season. Um, they, they, they're pretty disciplined, and they have some athletes back there. But yeah, I mean, every once in a while they can be susceptible to allowing a big play like that. But you know, they have. They have a pretty experienced corner corner tandem and Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore and, and the guys like Javon Holland and Verone McKinley kind of back in the, like the nickel and, and safety area. Those those are two very good young players they have. So that, that's definitely one of Oregon's strengths. But as, as we saw against ASU, it, it can be exploited every once in a while. So is there an underrated strength to Oregon that we don't know about? Something you fans should worry about that isn't on the radar, or are we are they pretty much we know who they are? Um, I, I I think their biggest strength is on that defense. There isn't necessarily like one one main player that needs to be shut down. I mean, it, it, it's it's Oregon's best defense that they've had in, in you know decades. Um, but you know, it's not like you know like five six years ago they had DeForest Buckner on the defensive line and he was the defensive player of the year. They don't they don't have a guy just like that, like one guy to shut down. I mean, Troy Dye is kind of probably the most notable name on that defense and. He's been around for four years, but I, you know, there's there's just a lot of really good players on this defense, and and they kind of come at you at waves because you know you have 
you have some talented freshmen playing out there like Kayvon Thibodeau or Mace Funa, and then the, the, the outside linebacker position is very athletic, and then you have that secondary. So they're, they're, they're very consistent on that defense, and there's not just one, one guy that needs to be shut down. So you look at this game, and it's going to say, it's speak of battle in the trenches. Oregon has the very notable offensive line and with over 100 career starts with these guys. And obviously Utah's three seniors that they put on the defensive line and a couple other guys who are waiting in the wings to be stars, and they're already pretty good. So I'm wondering how much success do you think Oregon is going to be able to have in terms of two things, providing Herbert the protection that he needs and then getting Verdell to be able to move the ball on the ground? You know, I, I think they'll be better in the first first case than the second case. Oregon's been a pretty decent in pass protection this year. And, and you know, I, the, so this offensive line is good and there are a lot of really good players on it. But I think I don't think they've played to kind of like the sum of their parts at times this season. You know, it's it's been kind of inconsistent, but they have been pretty good in pass protection. I, I don't expect Oregon to be able to get much on the ground against Utah at all in this game. You know, Utah's giving up, I think, 56 yards per game on the ground, and Oregon's running game has been vastly inconsistent this year. And, and a player like Verdell, um, you know, he runs hard, but he gets banged up pretty easily, and, and I just think that he might get lost amongst some of that uh, Utah front seven. I mean, that, that's such a good front seven, and, and um, you know, Oregon... I, I don't think their offensive line has done the job that it needs to do this season, at least um, when it comes to the running game this, this year. So I, I think that's a big advantage Utah has coming into this game. So if they uh, don't run the ball well and they're one-dimensional, this is you know Kyle Whittingham's dream recipe. He'll tell you about it every you know every week. Uh, if they have problems getting things going and need a momentum changer, Zorgan go to trick plays. They're likely to try to really mix it up here. Um, they they might you know they they've ran a, like a flea flicker like once or twice this year where they have this play like towards the goal line where they they have kind of Jay Linderhead do like a fake screen and then they pop it back over to him on the outside and they've scored two or three touchdowns on that but I mean other than that Oregon's Oregon's been kind of a pretty vanilla offensive scheme this year um, and I, I think that the biggest thing that's hurt him hurt them is just like losing a, like a um, Losing Jake Breland midseason, he was their senior tight end who was probably on his way to having an All-American season. He was leading, I think he was one of the Pac-12's leading receivers, and, and he, he went down about halfway through, and then you couple Michael uh, Micah Pittman on top of that, and, and right now, like, Herbert just doesn't have a whole lot of guys to, to throw to, and, and that's why I'm so concerned about this game is because if Utah can make them one-dimensional where it's just Herbert throwing through the air, uh, you know, he just doesn't have a ton of guys that are able to, to – to make plays and get open without being schemed open. And that's just something that hasn't really been happening with this offense lately. It's kind of funny is that it's viewed for the Ducks as somewhat of a disappointing season, and yet they're, what, 11 points away from being undefeated. And the two losses were by one score, a touchdown, and a field goal. And, you know, neither of them were in Eugene. So we classify that as disappointing which boy to tell you just how good the program is if that's what your disappointment is at 10 and 2 8 and 1 so with that in mind you know obviously they got knocked out and dropped many spots in the playoff i'm wondering how much incentive that adds to now going out and winning friday because then you've got the rose bowl which you know if you're a long time pac 10 pac 12 fan which you know, obviously the folks in oregon are that's a pretty good consolation prize 
Yeah, I, I think there was about a week week hangover of, of getting knocked out from the playoffs. Like I, I, I think if anyone would have told Oregon fans before the season, like, hey, you go ten and two and you make it to the Pac-12 championship game and you have a shot at the Rose Bowl, they would all take it in a heartbeat. But I think everyone kind of started drinking drinking the Kool Aid here over the last month with all the news of the playoff and, and you know kind of getting the feathers fluffed and all that. Like I, I think Oregon fans really started to think that maybe maybe this was a playoff team, and so you know. Obviously, the last two weeks have been disappointing, but when when you go back and look at it, Oregon hasn't won the Pac-12 title since 2014. They haven't reached the Rose Bowl since 2014. Like this would be a huge, a huge opportunity for them, especially considering the fact that just three or four years ago they were four and eight, and they had they've gone through two head coaches since then. Like this, this is a really good season for them. It's just within the 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 entirety of the season this, these last two weeks have been a bit of a downer but I, I think I think the, the players and the staff really kind of know what they have at stake coming up this week and I, I think they'll be motivated and uh, we'll, we'll certainly uh, come out and, and play a tough game because uh, yeah I mean going going to a Rose Bowl in your second year as a head coach at, at Oregon that, that's, that's a pretty good thing to have on your resume if you're Mario Cristobal especially when you look around the conference and you see like you know the news at Washington last week and um, you know just some of that stuff. I, I think Oregon can really establish itself as like the best best program in the North here going forward. So, is the fan base that motivated? Are there going to be uh, twenty thousand uh, Duck fans there, or is that too big a number? Ah, uh, boy, that I I know they'll travel for the Rose Bowl. I don't know how much they're going to be traveling for this game. I mean, Oregon's played. You know, they played at the Levi Stadium last year for the Red Box Bowl, and nobody traveled for that. Obviously, this is a much bigger game than that, but. Um, yeah, I Oregon fans generally do travel pretty well. I, I don't think that this is going to be a, a max occupancy uh, situation with Oregon fans because I, I, I think uh, people were starting to look ahead and, and maybe think that, uh, well, A, I, I think they thought that this was going to be a winner-take-all game and whoever wins goes to the playoff, and I think there's a little bit of disappointment in, in that side from the Oregon fan base. But, I mean, there'll, there'll be some green and yellow in the stands. Good old green and yellow. You can't miss them. Will the boss be there? Is Phil going? Oh yeah, he'll he'll, he'll definitely be there. He's, <laughs> he's actually he's been I think at every game this year. He's he's pretty uh, he's pretty hard to miss. Although instead of green or yellow, he's usually kind of been in an all black uh, kind of jumpsuit. So yeah, he'll, he's got he'll, the Al Davis <laughs> thing going on. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yep. Um, we've here we're hearing that Cristobal is really knocking it out of the park when it comes to recruiting. And last year, you know, they got that stud defensive lineman and all that stuff, and they just got uh, Sewell's younger brother here in Utah, who's supposed to be all that, committing. So how is the recruiting going this year, and what's making the difference that is allowing him to do so well there? You know, their their, their biggest thing, I think, has been a little bit of the uh, um, – uneasiness of the football in Southern California. I know obviously they just pulled Sewell out of out of the Utah area, but you know, they have his brother. But I mean they've they've been going into like USC and UCLA's backyard and just kicking their butts down there. I mean you can look at last year's recruiting class and I think it was like six of the top twenty players from California ended up in, in Eugene and, and they've continued to kind of mine that area in this year. You know, it, it's not maybe maybe not quite as flashy as the class of last year, but with Sewell committing, I think they're back in the top ten, which um I don't think Oregon had ever been in the top ten before before Chris Hall, so they're they're potentially looking at back to back years in the top ten, and and it's just a little bit change a different change of strategy. When it was like Chip Kelly or Mark Helfrich leading uh, the program, they were 
a lot more selective, and they were kind of looking more for like, hey, you know, we think we could maybe get this guy. Let's let's hold off on offering him until late. And, and this this current staff, I mean, they they offer a lot of kids, and, and they they you know, pretty much every waking moment they have outside of scheming for their their current week stuff, they're working the phones, they're working on strategies and stuff. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of a, a full time commitment they've had to it, and uh, they're they're definitely doing really 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 well on on that half of uh, half half of the sport is just uh, uh, getting getting the full production out of those players once they're on the team that they're, they're still working on right now. Tyson Alger, Oregon Ducks writer for The Athletic, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So what is your, uh, I guess personally, what do you think the final four should look, the four playoff teams should look like? And then what do you kind of predict the committee is going to do? How is this all going to play out? Because as you can imagine, Utah fans are uh, are all in on this discussion. Yeah, you know, I think Utah should be in. Uh, like I, I, I know the the politics of it, and like you know, I, I know even even if Oregon was a top ten team coming into this game, they would still you know they would still need a little bit of because uh, what is a Georgia in front of them? Um, Alabama losing was obviously key, but uh, yeah, I I just think that Utah has played such good football for the past pretty much two months or so, and and they're not only have they been winning, but they've been winning convincingly. You know, that's the one thing Oregon wasn't doing at all, is Oregon was winning all these games, but they were winning them outside of USC by like a touchdown or a field goal. Um, I, I, I just think Utah's a complete team. They, they, they have a, the type of a roster that I think can stack up to, to some of these playoff teams. I don't know if they can go in and win a playoff game, but I know they will go in and they're not going to get embarrassed. I think their defense is way too good, and on offense they take care of the football. I, I, I think they deserve to be in, and if, if they win this game rather convincingly, I, I think it would be kind of hard to, to keep them out of there. I, I just think I think they're that good. Jason, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Oregon Ducks writer for The Athletic, Tyson Alger right there.